Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, we will be talking with Mike O'Donnell, Executive Director of Colorado Lending Source, an organization that has helped inspired people create thriving businesses with funding, education, and resources. For over 25 years, they believe in fostering the economic growth of diverse small businesses within our communities. They strive to offer outstanding customer service and expertise as a resource for lenders and small businesses. Colorado Lending Source is an organization engaged with one another and in the success of their stakeholders. As a small nonprofit lender, they have created a culture where the pursuit of individual passions is supported and encouraged, emphasis is placed on living life, and the desire to have a positive impact in communities in a collaborative effort. So today I really wanted to introduce Michael Dono, I was introduced to him by a former podcast guest on my show, and I got to spend some time learning a little bit more about Colorado Lending Source, and I'm super excited to be able to broadcast this because I feel that they have some resources that even living in an entrepreneurial world and business, we don't know enough about. And so I'm excited to learn more about Colorado Lending Source. And so, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Let me know a little bit more about who you are. As my listeners listen, they're going to notice just a little bit of a different accent from you. So tell me, you know, how did you arrive here in Colorado and how did you get involved first with Colorado Lending okay. Source? Well, thank you. Yes, I do have a little bit of a Southern accent. And, and because I spent 10 years in Kansas before I moved to Colorado in 2000, I tell everyone that I have a Kansas accent. And surprisingly, some people believe that, but that's okay. I originally <laughs> born and bred in Australia and lived in there for, for most of my life. I met my wife-to-be at grad school um, in Australia, and she was from Kansas. Um, I lost the toss and, and came back to the United States. I ended up accidentally finding a job with the University of Kansas and working with their small business development center, um, their school of business, um, the small business institute. I became a faculty advisor for quite a few of the entrepreneurial uh, clubs on campus, working with both the international students as well as the local students. Um, and that sort of morphed into a passion that I'd already had growing up in Australia. My dad had his own business. And so that was quite inspirational to me. Um, I helped out at his little grocery store, you know, after school at on high school type things and at college all my way through college. And I used to get paid for working there and either food because it was a grocery store or wool and socks. And I still have some of those wool and socks today from almost 40 years ago. They're the wow. best socks that I've ever had. And it's really hard to find good wool and socks, <laughs> um, especially in Colorado. I shouldn't say that because we work with people who do that. But so my journey was really um, 10 years in Kansas uh, was a really interesting experience. And I got involved after working with the university for probably about six or seven years. I uh, went out on my own and became a consultant for a while, but at the same time got involved with, with the local what's called certified development company. And there is a nonprofit organizations that help with better access to a, a, a little known program called the Small Business Administration 504 line program. And I really like that program because it was all about community. It was about uh, businesses when they're ready, getting financing to buy the buildings that they operate their businesses out of so that they aren't dependent on, on landlords. And, and in many communities, especially Colorado these days, we have a lot of absentee landlords. So uh, you can create a much stronger community by having the people who own the buildings in your community operate those buildings because they're more invested, they are more likely to help the high school team with sponsorship, all the sorts of things that make for a stronger community. So of the 12 different Small Business Administration SBA loan programs, there's only that one program, the 504 program, that has an economic development, job creation focus, and, and I sort of fell in love with that. Being in Kansas doing that for a few years, I got the opportunity to a sort of escape to Colorado 
uh, which is the closest I can get to actually being in Australia without actually being in Australia. Um, the culture is very comparable. People are very friendly. Um, it's quite entrepreneurial. It doesn't have much water and there's no ocean around here. But other than that, um, it, it's, it seems very much like the areas that I grew up with back in Australia. But again, it's a very friendly. Entrepreneurs pay things forward, um, which is sort of more of the culture. And it's a little bit uh, laid back, intense, but laid back. People spend a lot of time outdoors. It's it's something that, that doesn't feel uh, very foreign to me at all. Whereas the extremes of the weather in Kansas are a little bit harder for me to get used to. That's interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, I would have never thought Australia or certain parts would be similar to Colorado. So you'd be surprised how many uh, Australian kids, Aussies, you know, come to college here. Um, I think even up here, uh, CSU attracts a lot of Australians to the golf scholarships. There's, you see a lot of Australians in the ski fields because Australia doesn't have much in the way of skiing. It's a very short season. So, um, and the seasons are opposite. So sometimes you'll find, you know, Aussies up here. It's just but it is a, it's got its own little Australian community that's sort of built up around here. But it, it, again, it's more the, not so much the, you know, because we're at altitude here, there's probably very few places in Australia as high as Denver, but it's just the outdoor life, which again is, is very Australian and sort of fits with, with Colorado. It's, it's, it's a little less uh, stressful than I found on the coast uh, or even in the Midwest in some respect. Oh. So how do people hear about you and learn about what you do for services and how, what, what would be an ideal person to come to Colorado Lending Source to use some of your services and your resources? Well, Colorado Lending Source itself has been around for now almost 30 years. Next year is our 30th anniversary. So we were started by the community here in Colorado. So a bunch of bankers, a bunch of economic development people, some local government people, um, and a few small businesses got together back in 1989. And in 1990, they created us really as a vehicle here in Colorado for better access to the SBA 504 loan program, the program that really encourages and promotes and makes it really affordable for small businesses to be the owners of their real estate. So um, that was our genesis back in 90. We really grew that right up until the global financial crisis. And at that time, with just the implosion of the economy, you know, it became quite challenging for us to do loans to businesses to buy the real estate because no one was really doing that. And there were some uh, wonderful opportunities under the stimulus acts, various iterations of those that would really help banks do more lending under most of the other SBA programs, what's called the guarantee loan program. Um, and that program has typically been dominated by the big banks, but community banks are twice as likely to lend to a small business than a big bank. And many of our clients who we partnered with to do the 504 loans asked us if we would help them do the SBA guaranteed loan. So at that stage, we started being a back office for community banks to help them provide better access, a less expensive capital to their small business borrowers and to sort of compete against the big banks. But we wanted to keep more community banks, although, again, Colorado's lost you know, 25% of its community banks in the last 10 years. And working with the banks as a back office really let us evolve into doing some more direct lending. That was really um, as I started to become more knowledgeable about the fact that especially since that global financial crisis, the additional regulations imposed on banks made it harder for them to do the smaller loans that they were doing prior to the recession. And really the regulators really clamped down on the banks, not that it was the bank's fault that we got into this recession. There are lots of other people that should take responsibility for that. But the, one of the unintended consequences of that was with, with the additional regulations, with the regulators actually being more enforced on, on the banks and with fewer banks as, as those banks sort of either merged or went away or a few shut down, it just became very, very hard to work with uh, small businesses or for them to access capital. And even a, another side effect of that was that the Small Business Administration then started credit scoring their loans as a result of the recession as well. So, um, and, and there's an inherent bias in credit scoring, which really discriminates against, you know, women and immigrants and minorities and rural-based businesses. And in Colorado's case, millennials who end up being saddled with, on average, quite decent student debt, and they get married later, they can't afford a house, or if they do have a house, they don't have much equity. So from the perspective of a lender, especially in Colorado, uh, because millennials are truly the best prepared generation to be entrepreneurs, um, but they're starting businesses at half the rate that any generation in their age range has ever started businesses. So, so this is part of a, really a national crisis with fewer relatively fewer startups every year in the United States and in Colorado. And as the businesses don't get started and the big businesses get bigger, 
there are, we say, fewer creative opportunities for individuals to to really make a difference into where they are. And many, many, I'm not, not saying that the big corporations sort of move away from trying to be impactful, but, you know, the profit motive is a profit motive. And sometimes that's more important than doing good. Um, and But entrepreneurs themselves are very much invested in their community typically, and they create a community, they create wealth for themselves, their families, they create wealth for the individuals in their community by creating sustainable living wage jobs, all those sorts of things. So as we went through that sort of adjustment through the, the end of that first decade of the century, um, I became much more passionate about entrepreneurs and how can we help more of them get started or how can we perhaps change the tide or slow the tide of, of everyone becoming dependent on big businesses because it wasn't hard to look out 20, 30 years and see, okay, you'll have a choice between Amazon and Alibaba if you want to buy something in the United States. And, and I didn't want that sort of future for, for my daughter uh, or for anyone else's daughters or sons. It, the diversity that is part of the United States and, and part of the, where I grew up in Australia, you know, that potentially is under threat because of lots of different reasons. But, you know, we need more businesses, local businesses. We need more entrepreneurs. The creativity and the doing good that comes from being an entrepreneur, the opportunity is certainly there. And so um, that became a little bit of, of my interest. So back to your question originally is how do people find out about us? As a nonprofit, we don't have, um, and I should sort of segue just a little bit and say that, you know, because we touch, you know, three of the small business administration, well, actually a bunch of small business administration SBA loan programs here in Colorado, even though we're a relatively small nonprofit, you know, we did by dollar volume more SBA loans in Colorado this last year than Wells Fargo. So by far and away, you know, we did 90, we touched $93 million worth of SBA activity in this state and compared to like 83 million from Wells Fargo. So we don't have the budget and, and the, the press to tell the world that we are the number one SBA lender in the state of Colorado, but we are. And we do that by providing services to both banks and small businesses to allow them to access programs that are beneficial for those businesses so that they can grow and prosper and continue to add jobs. And as a nonprofit, it's really, we've worked hard on our brand to try and make people know that we're out there and just so that we can be a resource for them. Um, you know, we, none of our people are on commission. We're there here to help people, you know, access capital if it's appropriate for them to do that and make it easy and more transparent for someone to access a program that because it's a government program is potentially, you know, much more complicated than it needs to be. So our role is to really simplify that whole process. So people can find us. We are involved in things where we can. We will be participating in Fort Collins Startup Week this next year. Uh, we are now, as of actually Wednesday of this week, we are help the city of Fort Collins create what we call the Fort Collins Main Street Line Program. So that was just launched on Wednesday, and that's a, taking a micro program here to the city of Fort Collins that we've been piloting across the whole state. But that program, that direct lending program, is uh, disruptive in the sense that most lenders, banks, uh, and many nonprofit lenders use a, a model of collateral and credit to determine whether or not to make a loan to someone. And that's fine, and it was fine in the 20th century, and it was fine in the 19th century, but in, a, in an era of the 21st century, we're seeing more technology-driven companies. Um, people aren't building buildings and buying machines. People are running businesses that might be a home-based or a backyard, and technology doesn't have collateral value to a lender. Um, and so that's another reason why it's becoming more complicated or challenging for those uh, emerging businesses to access affordable, friendly capital. And so with our Main Street program here in Fort Collins and, and in the rest of the state, it's really all about character and capacity. So we're turning back the clock to the way it used to be when I was growing up and my dad had his business back in Australia and looking at making a loan to someone based on who they are and, and how they present themselves, not how someone else, a credit agency, for example, tells you that you should be looking at someone. So with our programs, it's the credit is the, the last thing I look at. I'm more interested in having a connection with someone and finding out if they're, if they use the character. If, it, if someone just wants some money to buy some junk and get, sell it for a huge profit and get rich quick, it's, it's not someone that I want to help. I'd much rather work with someone that, that I might classify as, as a zebra um, as opposed to a unicorn or, or a gazelle. A zebra company who's someone who's investing in their community and creating opportunities for themselves. And they tend to be those sort of companies are more likely going to be a woman-owned or, or, or minority-owned or 
a rural based or, or a millennial owned. And, and so they have that sort of more of a passion and a drive. It's just they've had little access to affordable, friendly capital other than from their savings or friends and family. So, and I digressed in three different areas. No, that was amazing. I'm sitting here actually taking notes okay. because I'm just like, wow, so much great information. And it's really interesting. And fun to know that you're coming up to Fort Collins as well, doing some different programs. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking from what you've said, as far as just looking at entrepreneurs and then what Colorado Lending Source does, you guys really are adding to this whole ecosystem of what an entrepreneurial life and journey is. You know, you're kind of standing beside them versus you know, having to have it just be a transactional connection. But it's now, you know, like what you said, even with this, whether it's the Main Street Loan Program or anything else, I can see that you guys, exactly what you said, it's more about character and really learning about and making that connection to help these businesses who sometimes if you're not as successful or you're not as um, branded, you have a hard time trying to get enough of a loan or some other type of funding sources as well. So it's really interesting to hear that and um, makes me feel more comfortable too. And, and knowing that, you know, I can even with, with the clients that I work with to kind of say, Hey, okay, this is, would be your next step for you to look into because I know almost that they, I feel like they would be taken care of basically. I would hope so. And I really, it, it's, you know, customer service. I, 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 I talk about the fact that we have, two legs, you know, a two-legged stool at Colorado Landing Source, which was the culture that I've really tried to inculcate into the organization since 2000 when I moved here. And it's really built around the blue ocean strategy for those of your listeners who know that, but it's really, it's, it's doing the best you can. It's not worrying about trying to market share out from another business. It's really focusing on what you do best and just, just doing that. And then things will come as a result of that. And then the other leg of my two-legged stool is really built around, you know, game theory and the prisoner's dilemma game from the late fifties and the, and the Rand corporation, which basically, you know, I distilled down to saying, just be nice to everyone. It doesn't matter if they're not nice to you, just be nice to everyone. And over time, everyone will be nice to you if you're nice to them. So, it's, and that's just customer service and that's just being, recognizing what we do well. And so building on those two principles, you know, we've been able to build Colorado Lending Source from three employees when I joined in, in, you know, 2000 up to 33, 34 today, and we've been as high as 40 before the, you know, the recession took a little bit of wind out of our sails. Um, and, and what I've really enjoyed about this journey, and, and Larimer County, you know, Fort Collins has always been, just naturally has a stronger entrepreneurial ecosystem in this county than any other county in, in the other 63 that we work with in the state of Colorado. And even looking at the SBA 504 loan program, just I was looking at the stats yesterday, there were more 504 loans done up here in Larimer County than any other county last mm. year. I really applaud the city of Fort Collins for wanting to create a loan program for, for what they do. And the opportunity for us to work with them has been great. And the way what we've done there is that the city had some funds available to sort of seed a, a program, which then became a grant for us. And then I was able to take those grant funds to a local community bank and say, hey, I'd like to work with the city to create this fund up here. And so the bank says, yeah, you put that in the bank and then we'll give you a million, I'll lend you a million dollars for you to lend out to small businesses. So they lend the funds to us on the strength of this grant in our balance sheet. And then we sort of mark it up to make sure we can break even. And then we lend that out to small businesses. And then as they don't need those funds, they can hopefully pay us back and then we can lend them out to someone else. So it provides this revolving loan fund type program, which is sort of sim symptomatic of, of what we really need in Fort Collins and other communities. And if we look at um, the trends here in Colorado, we have about 18,000 new small businesses are created every year here that have employees. Um, and for every company that has employees, there's usually like three or four others that don't. So, so we've got plenty of side hustles and gigs and stuff like that. And those are, again, a symptom of the fact that there are people working for perhaps larger or medium-sized corporations who aren't that satisfied or aren't that fulfilled or can't get the income level they need to support the family. So they'll do those sorts of things. Um, but the ones that are creating employment are sort of important to me. And, and by estimate, if I just look at the number and the population here, we should be seeing about 500 or so of those businesses every year in, in Fort Collins. And we know that about 40% of them will typically need some sort of financing. And I would hate for them to use credit cards. I would definitely hate for them to use an online lender. And if I can somehow or other assemble some more affordable, friendly capital, a little bit more expensive than a bank, 
but not outrageously expensive like these payday type lenders would charge, then that gives the business a little bit of a head start so that after two or three years, then they become more bankable for the, for the community and they can move into the least expensive source of debt financing, which is the banking system. But where we don't, as we've seen, we're not a bank, we're not keeping deposit relationships, but we, we don't want to do a transaction. We want to keep in touch with our borrowers and be a resource for them all the way through should they need us there. Yeah, and I think uh, this is a great time to talk about people that are starting. I mean, I'm so surprised. I wrote that down, that number. I'm so surprised of the number of small businesses that are started every year. But I also know of ideas and businesses that are not started. And I think one of the biggest things is because of the fear of not being able to have the funding or know where to even start. So let's talk about that because Mm -hmm. I feel that some people bootstrap, right? Or they'll take out their credit cards or they'll, they'll take out a loan from their current bank or credit union. Talk to me about the different, maybe what they are and advantages and disadvantages so that we, our listeners know some of the different funding sources, you know, including VC and angel investing, you know, things like that. Um, And then also where Colorado Lending Source fits in Mm -hmm. and how would an entrepreneur know where to go when they want to start. And I feel like this would help a lot of people. You might have more than 18,000 small businesses start in Colorado, but I think that's one of the biggest things is, is I can't do this because I don't have the money or Correct. right. Yeah. So let's, let's walk through some of those yeah. things. And then that's a really good, it's, there's, there's really no good measure as to how many people don't start a business, but we can, we can see historically and statistically the information that we can get from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows us all the businesses started in Colorado year by year since 1994, which is the earliest data we have. And there's really interesting information you can pick from that. You know, back in the nineties, the average small business when it started was creating between seven and eight jobs that first year. Here now on average, we're creating about three. So essentially technology is meant you're not having as big an impact as a small business. And, and as the population has grown, the number of startups has grown, but they're creating a lot less jobs. So we're becoming a little, although we're still in the stats, I just happen to have them externally in front of me. But in, in 2019, for example, um, there were about 260,000 new jobs created in Colorado. But at the same time, we lost you know, 217, 218,000. So there's a churn that goes on out there all the time because people are shutting businesses down, they're laying off people, they're downsizing, people are adding jobs. So there's, there was a net gain of about 43,000 jobs here in the state of Colorado last year. Uh, but businesses less than one year old, they created almost 70,000 jobs. So if it wasn't for those entrepreneurs in this state creating those jobs in that first year of operation, we would have lost jobs in the state. In fact, we would have lost jobs in this state 20 two out of the last 25 years in, in, in the history of Colorado. So we are very dependent as a state on, on entrepreneurship and especially those young businesses. And this is not the same in many states. In many states, they're very dependent on old companies creating jobs. The entrepreneurs don't really exist. So we have a very strong entrepreneurial ecosystem. And in terms of, of where people get started, I mean, to be honest, at Colorado Lending Source, we bootstrapped. Essentially, we and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm debt adverse and it's really weird for me to be in a lending industry if I'm debt adverse. But it's essentially... Uh, you don't. You should not be taking on more debt than you need to. But when you do, you need to be very prudent about where it comes from. A negative thing that that has really happened in in the economy too has to do with Shark Tank and the perception that for a lot of people to get started, they have to have an investor, they have to have a reality TV type worthy type business for them to get started. And that has done a disservice because really, angels, investors, VCs aren't very good at making seed round contributions or, or initial investments in companies. And I, I used to have that number off the top of my head, but if I looked at, you know, first quarter of this year, I think there was something like 800 uh, VC investments in companies, you know, seed round. So it's really very, very small. And then if you look at what percentage of those come to women, it's like 2%. And if you look at what percentage of those come to minorities, it's less than 1%. So if you're a diverse business or an underserved or an underrepresented category, you're not going to get much money from an investor unless it's a friend or a family or someone that, that really works with you. And, but we do have great vehicles here. We have the Rocky Mountain, uh, the Rocky Venture Capital Group. We have Inosphere. We have lots of sources and local investors of people or angels looking to make investments. But you know, many of them are, are predicating on getting a greater return. You know, They might want you know, 10x is a t- the term that's thrown around a lot on, on the West Coast and Silicon Valley. If someone invests a million dollars, they want to be able to get $10 million back and they typically want that back in around five years. So they're looking for high growth, disruptable type things. Um, and the 
dollar amounts that they're writing for a lot of these investments now have gotten much higher. So they're really not interested in the small fry. They're looking for the big next big thing. So they're, they're chasing the money and that that's fine for, for those sorts of people who have that sort of money. But from the perspective of a business, using resources, we have a wonderful small business development center here in Fort Collins. We do have other great resources score. You know, there's the, the chamber, there's, there's many, many resources that people can talk with. Um, but what does happen is that someone might have an idea for a business, they go to a bank and the bank says no. And typically a bank will always say no to a small startup business where there's not a lot of track record. If we look at SBA type numbers, we see that on the 504 program, again, you probably shouldn't be buying real estate if you're, if you're starting from scratch, but about 15% of all of the SBA 504 loans are done are done to startups. So someone who wants to operate a car wash or a hotel or something you can't really rent those places. You have to own them or build them. Um, under the regular SBA guaranteed programs, about a third of those loans are done to early stage startup businesses. And a guaranteed loan program is where a bank makes a loan and then the SBA, the federal government's in the background as a guarantor to the bank to take that risk away to make them do that. Um, but again, the banks impose their own rules on top of SBA. So it's not that easy to get that unless you've got a collateral or a, or a spouse who's willing to sign. And then we non-profit lenders, again, some of them are run by former bankers and think the way bankers do. And me coming from a non-banking background and being just a little bit disruptive and, and, and weird in many respects, I'm just, as we build out our Main Street model, which we've done, uh, we found that, you know, if you spend a bit more time and you guide people and you hold their hands and you work closely with their councils, like the Small Business Development Center folk, um, you can prepare these people because when we do look at the stats, you know, for 100 businesses that start in Colorado today that have employees and, and the Kauffman Foundation research tells us that if you're going to start a business with employees, you probably need about $50,000 to get that business off the ground. So for those 100 odd businesses that start today, we know that in one year, there's only going to be 78 or 79 of them left. And then we know that after two years, there's only going to be 67 or 68 of them left. So that fall off is very rapid and which is why banks don't like to lend to early stage businesses which means that we non-profit lenders are probably the best source available other than credit cards, which are in the double digit twenties. Um, the online lenders that might be in the forties and we've refinanced a loan as high as 92%. And, and there are even more extraordinarily expensive loans out there that you can get online because they're quick, but it's all based on a credit score and an algorithm and, and your spouse, I suppose. But um, so there's lots of variations. So, so back to your questions again, I, I would always just, just being the person that I went, I can be, you know, you need to put some money at risk. You need to you know, prove the concept if it's a concept that needs to be proven. And then you can work with a, um, perhaps someone who's more approachable like us, who's not looking for you know, 100% collateral or is not looking for, you know, the, the, your, your second born or something like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's looking for someone who's, who's really interested in what you're doing um, and who you are, not how the business is done last year. And so that's the banking system looks backwards to look forward. We nonprofit lenders look forward to look forward. So essentially it's just a slightly different approach. And, and I may have waffled around too much that I didn't quite answer your question, but that, that gives you the perspective from, from my head. As I interact with businesses, it's, it's, it's talking to them early, perhaps not so much guiding them, but giving them options, having them explore. The former governor, he can loop here, always says a great story. He talks about the fact that for him and his, his mates from college to start the wine coop brewery, they went to 37 banks and, and it took 37 banks to get a yes. The other 36 were no's. And typically people I work with might go to one or two banks and get no's, which, which would be normal. And then they get discouraged and they don't do anything else. And they go back and work at their job and they do this and they do that. And they dream about what could have been as opposed to actually making it. And it is scary to, to take the launch and start a business. Um, you need to be passionate. You need to have your sort of focus. I'm surprised at how many businesses that I work with where they fall into the business, which is really exciting, and then may become passionate about it. You know, what a, a venture capital or an angel or investor would look like is, is fairly similar to what we would look like under our Main Street program. We're looking for not just a solo entrepreneur who's putting all their eggs in that one basket. I'm, I'm really interested in a team, um, and that could be a, a, an entrepreneurial lead person and perhaps a mentor or perhaps an advisory board, something like that. And then I'm interested in the network. If someone has a product that they'd like to you know, sell to other consumers, then, then they need to have developed a presence, whether that's social media or whether that's a recognition or a treasure, whatever it is. But really the, the team, it has to be more than one, but the, the team involved at the top and then the network that's created or being created um, beyond that 
uh, are two more important things to the success of a business. And then money is the third thing. So, so if someone doesn't have those first two, we'll work with them to try and create those elements so that we can then provide that third element that allow them to then get to where they need to be. everybody, this is Adrian from Feminist Hot Dog, and I want you to join me and my awesome guests as we put the fun in feminism. It's true. On Feminist Hot Dog, we explore all the ways feminism makes the world a better place, no matter who you are. So come hang out on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Mountain on NOCO FM, and don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. See you on Wednesday. And that makes sense because I was just going to ask, would you then suggest for somebody to kind of go into like a small business development center and get some advice and get a business plan and and actually have the pilot study or, you know, have it all worked out and then come to you? But it sounds like even if they weren't quite there and they wanted to just walk through the possibility, your organization still kind of holds their hand and, and guides them through some of the process or the thinking process anyway of what they would need when they begin to look at different funding sources. Yes. And, and definitely it's, it's worth calling or asking the question. We've got a, a, you know, our staff again, we pride ourselves on customers. We actually return phone calls if we miss them. And we like to talk to people about all sorts of things. So you know, even though I can't do projects in the cannabis industry, at least at the present time, it, it doesn't stop me. I had a conversation actually on Wednesday with a um, a group out of Oregon who's actually got a loan fund for marijuana shops. And so they were looking for a model and, and they found out about our Main Street program. So they're wanting to know how they can take that model and apply it to their industry over there where the cannabis industry can be banked in Oregon somehow or other. We can't really do that officially here. It, it's it's just really fascinating to me how people get into the businesses they do. And I come from a you know former small business development center role myself. And so I, I do do a little bit of consulting and nudging and suggesting anyway, but the SBDC network we have here and, the, and, and, and Mike up here at Fort Collins does a great job. And so people should talk with them. You know, we don't want to help them with the business plan, but I really want to see that they've thought through their business and they've given me um, cash flow projections and assumptions. And sometimes the assumptions are, are guesses and a, a two-year projection is a guess, but that first year you should have those defined plans. So with our Main Street program, we've done some innovative things. We helped a a business in the mountain, you know, get a, a loan, which they used to create a Kickstarter campaign, which turned into $600,000 worth of orders for their pants. So it, it proves out the concept wow. relatively inexpensively. And, and they took that order and then they were able to get a line of credit from a, didn't quite get to a bank yet. So they're working with a hard money lender, but, but then the next step is they did another Kickstarter campaign and they sold $400,000 worth of something. So now they're, wow. they're bankable from several different perspectives. So now that they've approved themselves and it's really a amazing platform, you know, that's great. And then there's a, a, another woman owned business we work with in Denver who, who tells the story. And, and this is where we, we help them as well as um, Axion or DreamSpring, which is another great nonprofit lender in the state. Um, they got their first loan through through DreamSpring, and then um, they, that was to expand into a second location for the coffee shop. But then the landlord of the first location basically kicked them out, and and you know DreamSpring couldn't do a second loan that quickly. So they asked us, and we stepped in and helped them with the second location. Um, and her story is amazing. She was the first woman roasterer in Colorado in a coffee, and and she bought her business from the next door neighbor who was running his business out of the garage, and the smell of coffee would waft around the neighborhood, but. She tried to get a $10,000 loan from the bank to buy it, but they wouldn't lend to her, but they would lend to her husband. So essentially, you know, that's how she got started on her business. And now she's got the chance to expand into a third location and she'll continue to, you know, build her business and her brand around that. So, you know, the accidental way she started is interesting. The, the people in the mountains came through an accelerator program in Telluride, which is a really cool accelerator program. And, and that gave them the credentials and background that someone who's done that work to get to where they want to be uh, sometime that next mile or that first mile to then great you move something from a concept that might be inside an accelerator in SPDC to actually get that first level of capital beyond their own investment that makes them more attractive to either an investor or a bank 
um, is something that's really exciting to me because then we can move them out of our system back into other sort of systems and that's when they can, if they wish to, scale. And, and sometimes happens, but you know, working with a, a coffee shop is fun for me as well too or working with someone who's you know, creating a, a business around you know, skincare, healthcare, whatever that is. There's, there's all sorts of amazing businesses and I continue to be fascinated by the, even though I've been doing this now for uh, probably 30-odd years, I'm always learning about new businesses and that's just really very stimulating. I think so too. I think it's fascinating to watch these ideas come to fruition, but then also, you know, the process because everybody's process is different, how they scale or if they scale at all. Right. And so I think it's really fascinating. I find as well, because I'm thinking there can't possibly be more and people think up of the best ideas and businesses. So it's kind of fun. So we had talked about people coming to you to use your services. Now, what I want to cover would be people that are listening that may think, oh my goodness, you know, um, I want to be part of that. Tell me how you're, the people that you went from three employees to now like 37, or if they even are employees or if they're volunteers, if somebody had some skill or something that could help Colorado Lending Source, like push the needle forward somehow, how would they get involved? And what would be the process if they had something to help you grow? Cool. That's a really good question. Where as, as, a, as a nonprofit, again, we're self-sustaining. So we're, as a private nonprofit, we've built the model around being fully sustainable. So we have those four different programs. We have a little bit of an educational program as well. But the idea is that, you know, if, uh, which might happen next week, the government might shut down and then the Small Business Administration program goes away until the program comes back again. Um, building our micro program is sort of independent of that federal sort of regulation in many respects. But, um, but Colorado Learning Source is actually set up as a membership-based nonprofit, the same way a chamber might be set up, a 501c6. It doesn't cost anything to be a member of Colorado Learning Source. And, and on our website, which is just our name, coloradolearningsource.org, under the About button, you could find a little link to a one-page PDF, which is our membership application. So anyone could apply to be a member, and, and we'd like to create more diverse both geographical as well as ethnicity, as well as, 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 as all sorts of demographics around that. So being a, a member of our organization will give you a, you know, it's not like we give a lot for membership, but you get invited to our annual meeting, which is, we have almost about 300 people come to that. And that is our event every January to recognize some of the most amazing small businesses we've worked with and also some of the bank partners who've helped us get to where we are um, and also just recognize the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem for the state of Colorado. And so, and it'll also get you an invite to the golf day. Not that I play golf, but at least I can drive the cart and it's fun <laughs> to drive an electric cart. But so we, we do those sort of things, but also we draw, um, we have uh, volunteers who then sit on our loan committee. So we have the loan committees are appointed by the board to actually review requests that come through for either the SBA programs or a micro program and, and having outside experts or outside people on that to look at a project independent of, of the team that we have at Colorado Learning Source is important because that creates that, that separation there. So we have almost 50 people sitting on, on four different line committees. And so there's always opportunities to volunteer there. We, of course, had a board and the board is 14 elected representatives and they have the opportunity to be there for three successive two-year terms. So really the role of the board is to uh, not only set the mission, which is to foster the economic growth of diverse small businesses, but it's really to create the, the goals and, and the vision for the organization, which really directs how we will be for the next 10, 20 years type situation, because we do have a 10-year strategic plan. And, and I'm very cognizant of how Colorado is changing just from demographics, looking at population shifts, looking at more diversity, looking at all of those things, and how as a result of that, especially if we're not doing a good job now working with diverse businesses or underserved, underrepresented businesses, you know, what will happen 10 years from now. So we need to make sure that we have all of that in place. So, so the way they can get involved or even, you know, we, we've now started a process where we have a few new programs that we'll be rolling out early next year, which we'll really need some, some volunteer help for. But really the best way to help us at the present time is to become a member and, and offer to sit on a loan committee so you can have your input on, you know, which projects we do and which we don't. Um, and it's also a way, again, I use these from both directions, from a small businesses perspective, they get more exposure from a, from a wider range of people. And I find that the, the loan committee for our Colorado Main Street program are so invested in trying to help the businesses that we're presenting to them as part of committee that they'll go out and, and be customers and they'll go out and tell their friends about them. So, you know, getting a loan is not just 
like at a bank where you talk to a loan officer and then it goes to the loan committee and they say yes or no. Uh, with Colorado Lending Source, because we're part of that community, we give you access to both our staff and our external committee. And then we do things like have a, a holiday mart, which is coming up in a few weeks, where we invite all of our borrowers to who sell things, you know, to come to a, uh, we're doing it at the Space Gallery down on Santa Fe and Denver. And so we're setting up little booths and, and they can come for free. And then we'll give everyone, you know, 20 bucks at the office to go and spend on some things. And so we'll bring a lot of people in to just help those businesses get a little bit of a boost and provide another vehicle for them to sell products that they may not have already had. So it's really creating community and community both inside the organization as well as outside. Having served on many boards in the past, I'm, I'm really not a big fan of making my board, you know, work as volunteers, but really the guidance and the governance that they give, um, they can hire and fire me or fire me, I suppose they can do that. They've already hired me. So, but it's really, really setting that mission and vision for the organization. And, and our, our mission, as I said, is to foster the economic growth of diverse small businesses in our communities. And, and we've had that mission for the, almost the last 20 years. So now it's time for the board to think, is that still appropriate moving forward? Or should we be looking at some other aspects of that? Although when we crafted that mission back in 2001, it was really with the intent of making it a, not bulletproof, but, but really something that would stay with us. Because without a mission, you know, a nonprofit doesn't have direction and, and there's really no reason for that nonprofit to exist. So, so we have that. And so when we work with businesses, we're looking for what culture are they creating? Why are they doing it? What opportunity are they creating out of a problem that they're solving? And, you know, all of the things that they're doing with their small, with their employees, as well as their, their clients, you know, and a, one last example of that, I was just thinking there's a, a town further up by 76, where we just helped a young gentleman up there, you know, move from a coffee cart, which is a mobile drive through on the, on the side of the road to, to a downtown location. And what struck me about him as, as a, as a young millennial was the fact that, you know, his passion is that, you know, most of his customers he sees in the morning and his objective is to put a smile on their face when they come get their coffee because he's probably the first person that they see every day. And so his whole approach, his whole business is around making people happy. He might sell coffee and he might sell, you know, other things, but he just wants to do that. And, and knowing that that's his passion and his mindset or the culture he's creating um, makes him a very attractive person from my perspective for us to make a line to him. So and everyone has different sort of things as, you know, you wouldn't go to a grumpy coffee shop, you know, if, um, but, but he knows that and it's marketing, but it's also very sensible for him to do that. Cause that's just who he is. He just likes to. Right. It's, he's very authentic and yeah. that was, that's his reason and his mission. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You've covered some of the points that I had written down because I did want you to talk about, you know, any kind of fun stories. And I love that coffee yes. um, shop story because that really shows how you guys make decisions and how you really support. I just feel, I mean, I feel like I want to call them the underserved because I feel like they're like glossed over, right? Because some of these other funding, or like you said, angel investors or reality shows, exactly what you said, want to follow the dollar. Um, And that, that just totally makes sense. And it goes to my heart too, you know, and that's why you're perfect for the show too. But, and, but I don't want to also, I don't want to skip over things that you guys are also involved in. So I saw that you put 1 million cups down on your website and, you know, we have one here, which is great. What do you do there? You know, talk more about the Holiday Martin Party. I know you talked about it, which I think is really, really neat. I did want to put a date in there because that's December 5th, right? Um, And that Holiday Martin Party sounds amazing. But talk to me more about some events and some things that you are involved in and who can attend this Holiday Martin Party or other things that you might be getting yourself out into the community with? And that's a good question. Again, it's, 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 we don't have a Wells Fargo type budget, but we do like 1 million cups. And I'm I've, back in the nineties, again, more information than you need. But back when I was at the University of Kansas, I, I did a bit of work with the Kauffman Foundation in Kansas City, which is really the think tank for a lot of entrepreneurial research and activity. So I had the fortune of working with them in the early nineties until they lost direction and then they found it again. And so I've, I've been a strong admirer of the Kauffman Foundation, what they did. So 1 million cups is really a spinoff from them. And we really worked to try and bring that program to Colorado as soon as we found out about it. The volunteers up here in Fort Collins with One Million Cups are amazing. They have such an energized event. And that's an event at, at nine o'clock every Wednesday morning at the Articulate. And it just goes for an hour. Two businesses pitch. They have six minutes to pitch. They can't ask for money, but they, they have to ask for something. And then there's 20 minutes of Q&A. So at the One Million Cups here on Wednesday of this week, that will, and then the city of Fort Collins participated with us at that event they attended. Um, and we unveiled the, color, the Fort Collins Main Street Loan Program. 
Um, we are a coffee sponsor for One Million Cups in Fort Collins, and, and the coffee comes from the Human Bean, which is a really cool coffee shop locally. And, and it's actually, to be honest, and I'm not a coffee drinker, but it's the best coffee I've ever had. Um, so I'll come up here every Wednesday just for the coffee. Um, <laughs> we host the One Million Cups in Denver and have for a, quite a few years, although you know we don't have the parking there, so they're now looking for, for a different location for next year. But we'll continue to sponsor that. We are actively involved in Startup Week in Denver, and we really worked hard after the first year or two to get the organizers to stop thinking of startups as just tech companies, which is how they started out, and get them to think about Main Street businesses, get to think about makers, get to think about artists and musicians and, and, and all the sorts of people who create business around other things other than just coding. And so that happened. And so I'm not going to say that it's, it's a result of that one, uh, the Startup Week is so big now, but it is truly the most organically grown largest Startup Week in the country. And so we're getting the chance to help out a little bit with sponsoring um, something in, in Fort Collins Startup Week. Uh, we've worked at, I've done presentations and panels and, and some of what I do is, is just travel around sort of talking about some of the, the you know, the weird and wonderful businesses, but it's, it's just so much fun. So we're not on billboards and we're not going to see ads in, in papers and stuff like that, but we try to be active a little bit on social media and we try to be from an educational perspective, you know, speak on panels for the SPDC, whatever it is, just be a resource. And our holiday mart is really a way of us building community. So again, we've gone out to work with people we've worked with, but we've also reached out to uh, all of the borrowers that DreamSpring, which used to be called Axion, has. We've also reached out to the followers of, or the borrowers at Colorado Enterprise Fund, which is probably the most active nonprofit lender in the state has. And so that's really why I like Colorado. It's a very collaborative thing. We're not competing with each other for business. We're trying to work together to make sure that you know, perhaps they get an, a, a DreamSpring loan and perhaps they get a Colorado Learning Source loan because they can't qualify for as much over here, then we can help provide a gap or Colorado Enterprise Fund might help someone and we might help them for something else. So I love that collaboral. So our holiday mart is just on, as you say, on, on December the 5th. We've invited businesses who are interested in applying just to contact us and you can find that through our website. And then what we are doing through our media is trying to get the word out and invite as many of our members, as many of our board just to get the public involved in the fact that, hey, from um, whatever it is, five to nine o'clock on December 5th at the Space Gallery on Santa Fe, we're going to have like a, an old-fashioned market and, and you can go up and down and there'll be people selling, you know, things you can eat. There'll be, you know, we, last year we had at the Holiday Mart, we did at our office, we had a, a, an archery company, or actually it was a fencing company that gave you the chance to practice fencing with swords and sabers and stuff like that. And that was cool. Um, you know, shaped ice, all sorts of things, clothing, products, there are so many amazing businesses and not everyone we work with is, you know, business to consumer because we've got a lot of B2B type businesses, but it gives some of those people a chance to, you know, get a different outlet or present their products to, to different people. And, and again, that's just something and you'll find details about that on our website and, and you'll find details about our, our Fort Collins Main Street Line program on there too. Again, we've launched it this week. We've got the money from the city, which is the grant, and then we've got a million dollar line of credit from a local bank, uh, independent bank. That should translate into 20 or so plus um, more, probably 25, 30 loans. And then as those loans go out and they start paying them back, we can lend them out again. But I think I can leverage a little bit more money from the bank or other banks wow. uh, to try and get more projects into the street here. And you're right, the stories are so much fun. I mean, I've always been so lucky that Larimer has been such a strong ecosystem up here. And, and you may have had on your, your show, or perhaps if you haven't, you should. Um, but one of my favorite local companies that we helped with one of our main street loans was Vortec Watches. And, and that's just an amazing company that's really got to be a big success story for whole of Fort Collins here. And RT and his team just have done some amazing things from, from very little and created something that's just so spectacular around the museum quality watches. And as the only U.S. manufacturer of wristwatches now, they're just doing amazing things for a relatively small company, which I think will be fairly big, um, not too distant future, but not too big because I don't think they want to be too big. So. Well, and thank you so much for coming up to Fort Collins okay. and to start this Main Street Long Program because I really think that it's exciting for a lot of entrepreneurs here. One of my last things that I love to ask, and this is going to be coming from you because you have the heart and you have the service to, to help others and to give back, but what might be one piece of advice you have that you can share with my listeners about how anyone can make the world a better place. And that's exactly right. Anyone can make the world a better place if, if you want to make the world a better place. And, and, and I really feel that, that entrepreneurship is a way that many people can do that because it gives them the opportunity to give back and contribute to society and, and, and be 
more of a role model to your community than driving you know, two hours to, to work at Facebook and come back or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really creating that. So, um, and being an entrepreneur, it's really relatively easy in the US, but it's also because it's so easy, we have a fairly high non-success rate or, or survival rate is fairly low, um, at least in those first few years. And you can get to, you know, the typical numbers in Colorado, we can see that after five years, it's just under 51% of businesses are still around that started, you know, five years ago. So if you want to make a difference as an entrepreneur, so you can give back, and we've worked with businesses that, you know, the 1% save the planet, that, that take a percentage of their profits to contribute to, to this fund or that fund. And, and those are, the, to be honest, the businesses that I really enjoy working with because they are committed to creating a, a better society, you know, locally as well as globally. But it gives you a vehicle to do that, um, potentially. And it's really to be successful as an entrepreneur, you need to be prepared to be an entrepreneur. And that's really, you know, doing your homework, you know, getting the plan out of your head and getting it down on paper so you have goals and roadmaps. Um, and as someone who, you know, is a big Alice of Wonderland fan, I mean, it's essentially the, you know, when Alice was looking to go somewhere, she, you know, she didn't know where she wanted to go. And so any road will take you if you don't know where you want to go. But if you really want to be an entrepreneur and if your objective is to get to this level, you have to have a, at least a plan or a map as to how you get there. You know, you can't rely on, on Google on your phone to tell you how to get there. You need to have something that's written that you can then check off each month to see, well, if I said I was going to have, you know, 30 customers every day come and buy a coffee and at the end of the month I see, okay, I'm averaging 25, you know, what adjustments do I need to make? Or if I'm getting 35, um, you know, when do I need to add another person to, to pull that up or what level? It's really just providing that feedback loop, which, when you're so busy as an entrepreneur, you don't have time to look at what you're doing. And the classic there is, is not looking at your financials or hoping someone does your taxes every year and, and you don't have a look at it type situation. So, and I run into many of those businesses over the years in my small business development center thing, but it's really, you know, my one and very lengthy, sorry, piece of advice here is really, you know, be prepared. And if you want to make a difference, make a difference. It's not much more complicated than that. I have learned so much from you. So thank you very much. And I'm sure this is going to be very resourceful for the listeners and hoping that they can use some of the services that you provide because it's it's wonderful. And hopefully even give them hope that they can, they have almost like a brother or a sister or some family member that's going to t help them take them that final way to really launch their business. So thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the time and the opportunity to meet your listeners, which is great. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.